Hello and welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. We are in Romans again and today we are going to be looking at one of the most debated passages in scripture for what is going on, for what it actually means. Um, We are going to be looking at Romans chapter 7 starting in verse 7 and this passage about Paul describing sin or the flesh active in his life in his relationship with the law of God. All right, so I'm going to read the passage to you or the beginning of the passage, and then we will talk from there about what's going on. Paul says this, what then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet, but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So in this section, which goes on for a few more verses, Paul is trying to answer two questions. First of all, he's trying to answer how did the law become such an unhelpful thing in the world? And what is the power of sin like in a human life? All right. Those are two kind of major questions. And they're important questions because he's addressing Jews in Rome. And he's been saying that you need to die to the law. Or in Christ, you have died to the law so you can belong to Jesus. And so if you are a kind of person who's been doing the law your entire life and finding um, evidence of God's righteousness and goodness in the law and for a long time have been doing it as a way of walking with God to hear somebody saying you need to die to the law. It can sound like they're saying the law is an evil thing and Paul needs to address that and and show that it's not. And so he says very specifically, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So just think of the Ten Commandments. He specifically Um, names number 10, thou shalt not covet. And so think of the Ten Commandments. And if you think about the Ten Commandments, they're obviously good commandments. Don't have any other gods besides me, God says. That's a good commandment. Don't make idols. That's a good commandment. You know, don't work, don't uh, take my name in vain. That's a good commandment. Have a rest. That's a good commandment. Honor your mom and your dad. Any parents out there? That is a good commandment. So they're all good. How is it that these good commandments can be so unhelpful in the life of somebody who wants to know God or doesn't want to know God, how can it be so deadly in their lives? And the problem, Paul says, is sin or the flesh. Um, So he says that what the law does is that when a human being who is in the flesh, who's unredeemed, who um, has a sinful nature, when they are exposed to the law of God, the sin in their hearts rises up and actually wants to rebel against God's law. This is the power of sin. It's almost like a demonic force. Whenever it hears righteousness, it wants to rebel against God's law, even sometimes trying to do it in a way that appears really holy. I mean, think about Paul's life and his zeal as a Pharisee and his persecuting the church. He wanted to appear very holy, but looking back, he would say that actually sin was in control of that, and it was using God's law as a weapon. It was weaponized, both against Christians and against me. 
And so he's saying that the real issue is sin, and sin takes good, holy, righteous things and uses them against God and uses them against people. So the law is good, and the sin is so terrible. But in the wisdom of God, excuse me, one of the th- reasons God gave the law was to reveal how sinful sin is by giving the Ten Commandments and giving the Mosaic Law and s- us being able to see how uh, Israel could not keep it and did not keep it and rebelled against it, we see how terrible sin is and how mischievous and how devious sin is in the heart and how wicked the flesh actually is. And so Paul will later on cry out, who can deliver me from this body of flesh? Like, I can't save myself. Now, one of the things that... uh, is really debated, and this is, I mean, really, really debated. People who I respect and esteem as Bible scholars and Bible teachers, they they debate this. Some are on one side, some are on the other. People wonder, is Paul describing his experience before he came to Jesus, or is Paul describing his experience after being saved, but just wrestling with the ongoing sinful nature as a Christian? And there's lots of good arguments on either side, um, lots and lots and lots. And so for me, this is one of those portions of Scripture where I have been incapable of coming to a firm conclusion on this. What is going on here? And so just want to be honest about that, just in case you wonder. I I could go back and forth um, depending on um, how I'm reading it on that day. Um, and so one of the reasons why people think it is about, you know, a current Christian experience is because Paul says something like this. He says, I don't understand my own actions. This is verse 15. For I do not do what I want to do, but do the very thing I hate. And most Christians can say, that's what it's like to be me. I don't want to get angry. And then I find out that I'm blowing my top again. I exactly understand what it means to feel like that. Um, Lots of Christians are like, you know, I I want to be braver. And then the time comes for me to be brave and I'm a coward. And it frustrates me. I want to be better than I am in Jesus. I know who Jesus is and God's commands and I want to be better, but I just can't do it. And this frustrates me. And so... People can look to Romans 7 here and say, yes, that describes my experience almost completely. And so they look to that and they see that and they say, yep, that's pre-Christian. Or sorry, that's the Christian experience. But other people point to things where it says like, um, we do not serve the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. And they point to Romans chapter 8, which begins with the, but now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so they say that this is a contrast. That was Paul before as a, as a Jew um, without the Holy Spirit and without faith in Jesus, and now life has changed as he's in the life of the Spirit. And they roll out their arguments from there. And like I said before, I've, I've been over this year <laughs> upon year many times, thinking through it every time I'm in Romans, weighing it through, and I've had a difficult time coming to a firm conclusion here. But I think as I... Um, think through the argument here. I'm not sure Paul is really expressly describing his pre-conversion state. I wonder if what he's doing here is he's um, on top of, you know, trying to point out how the law is good, and it's the sinful nature and the flesh that make it um, deadly to people. I wonder if he's just trying to point out 
um, how necessary the Holy Spirit is for anybody. So whether you're a Jew apart from Christ, the law can only kill you because you just have sin in your heart and you just have the sinful nature. And as much as you can um, say, well, you know, the law contains God's revelation and his commands, you can't keep it. It can only kill you. Or even if you're a Christian and your hope is not pointed directly in Christ and your hope is not pointed in the power of the Holy Spirit, all that you know, the Old Testament law can do is stir up rebellion in your heart or condemnation can just discourage you, can just point out where your actions don't match up to your confession. Um, Whether it's before or after, this does describe um, a state of feeling hopeless where you just compare yourself to God's holiness and see, look, as much as I want to do this, I can't, I can't measure up in my own strength, in my own power. I need to get rescued. And so what it, what, whether this described Paul before he was saved or his current state, either way, it accomplishes the mission of getting us to look away from ourselves and to look to Christ and to his provision of the Holy Spirit as the only true power for creating righteous character in us and overcoming sin and really transforming us the way that we desire and the, the way God wants to show himself in the world through a righteous people. So Romans 7, the second half of it, super difficult passage. Why don't you read through it and try to ask your question, okay, so what is Paul all saying here? And how does this connect with Romans chapter 8, which we'll be talking about uh, next time I'm on here? And uh, Romans chapter 8 is one of the best chapters in the Bible, which makes it one of the best chapters of any book or any letter ever written. I'm really excited to get to it. Be blessed.